my brother Simon mentioned, it's a beautiful but briskly cold day, but it's a beautiful day nonetheless. So, uh, good morning. The Lord be with you today, this morning, as we come come together and seek God. And let's let's bow our heads and uh, invite the Lord into our presence. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for all your grace and mercy and strength upon us. Thank you that we got up this morning and were able to stand up and walk. Lord, we have so much to be thankful for, Father, but we, we thank you for health. We thank you for life. We thank you for your gift that you've given us, that we that we can be called the sons of God. Lord, we were blessed with so many privileges Lord, we are blessed with time where a lot of people would just pray for more time. Lord, we, we thank you for all your gifts and we pray that you would press these truths which you're about to receive, Lord, deeply into our hearts that it may bring forth fruit, Lord. We pray that you would increase our love for you, Lord. We pray that you would draw us to yourself. Bless us, Lord, in thy spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you, Brother Dave, for bringing up this, this important reminder on the wise men. There's so much to be said about them. How important they were that even King Herod would pause out of his busy schedule and recognize them as important people. Not only to recognize them, but to be concerned at the broad news. Not just any news, not just coming from anyone, but they came from the Magi from the East. Amen. Uh, the message today is entitled, Now is the Time. It was inspired by a message I heard that uh, Brother John D. Martin preached just last week in their congregation, and I listened to it, and I felt like... Uh, when Brother Richard told me I'd have to share the message today because Samuel wasn't here, that was all I thought of about this message. So I'm going to be paraphrasing from it. I'm going to bring up points, and I'm going to bring on my own points. And I know John preached a similar message last week, but I think we can always hear more. It's such an important issue. So we'll just build on that. Uh, now is the time. Let's open up our Bibles and keep them open at Ephesians 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14. We'll just Our key verses are just going to be four verses. And that's going to be our text. <laughs> Ephesians 5, verse 14. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then, in verse 15, that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Amen. We're now eight days in from the new year. 
How many of us made resolutions? I don't really care. I'm not a big resolution person. And I'll get into it. But I think everybody at this time of the year thinks more about time than we probably do at any other time of the year. You tend to look at the past year with things that perhaps should maybe be different. People tend to face a new year with some resolutions on what they endeavor to change in the new year. My personal opinion is, if you wait to the new year to change anything in your life, it will probably not change anyway. If something is so important to you that you want to change it, you will probably not wait till the new year to change it. If the doctor tells you tomorrow that you have to keep soda out of your life, you cannot drink any more soda, that is killing you. Your numbers are so high that any more you could be in trouble. Well, we wait and tell the doctor, okay, doc, we're three months away from the new year. I'll just wait till January 1. No, you'd go home and you'd probably clean your cupboard and throw it out. You don't want that temptation. You want what's best for your life and your health, and you just throw it out because you cannot afford it. You cannot afford it one day. This is what true resolution is is to make a change immediately. Anything that is worth changing in your life is worthy to be changed immediately, not wait for the new year. Nevertheless, if a person is inspired to use the new year to change for the better, more power to you. A lot of people have successfully done and made changes at the new year. And I don't want to belittle that in any which way, just so you make a change. That's all that's important. A lot of people haven't kept their resolutions. The exercise companies are selling the most amount of exercise equipment this time of the year. They know that. And in three months, you'll find them on the curb or on Facebook Marketplace. The older you get, the more time seems to change on its effects on you. Meaning, time has less and less effect on you, and it seems to fly by faster and faster as you get older. Why is that? Why does time seem to start going faster as you get older? The younger you are, the more things you have to look forward to. Children count long days for future privileges, gifts, birthdays, Christmas presents, and more freedoms. They anticipate with intensity these things, and time crawls. They can't wait till they're five years old so they can go to school and on, on to the second grade and on to the third grade. That just seems like a long time, and then you're finally able to drive a car or tractor and finally, you're a teenager. Once you are a teenager, you look forward to being a Pua or a Dean. These days never seem to come. After 15, you look forward to more and more privileges. Finally, graduation, a driver's license, 
and then baptism and membership. That seems so far away, and you look forward to that step. Finally, you overcome that hurdle, and in front of it is the mountain of all accomplishments. Finding a wife or a husband, starting a courtship and marriage. That seems to be some of the biggest hurdles, some of the biggest decision-making that you will make in your life. Not to say that baptism isn't the biggest. It's just, you know how it is. You are so eager to get and cross over that step. Time is going slow. You finally count the days and hours of the wedding, and time goes ever so slowly. And that, when that is over, you look forward to the days of your son or daughters, first when they come into the world, and their first birthdays. And then time is starting to speed up drastically. Earthly happenings are less and less significant to you. You look forward to having young people and finally grandchildren and then great-grandchildren. And at that point, you have passed most of the milestones. Time becomes hyper. You You stop and look back and wonder where the time went. It flew by. Children cannot imagine time flying. We middle-aged ones can. I can't believe I'm 40 already. Kind of, I'm over the hump. You older ones can especially see how time flew. When my dad, when I was my son's age, like Israel's age, I heard my dad say to a, to a salesman once, I don't know where all the time fly, time went. And I looked at him perplexedly, and I wondered, what is he talking about? Time is going slow, not fast. But now I can understand when I'm at my dad's age when he said that. Time flew by. When I was a child, I laughed and I wept. Time crept. When I was a youth, I dreamed and talked. Time walked. When I became a full-grown man, time ran. When older still I grew, time flew. Soon I shall be traveling on, time gone. Isn't that the truth? There are certain things that speed up time. Can you imagine if you meditate, if you'd be laying on your deathbed? A doctor say you might have two weeks. And imagine that. It's good to think about these things. Think about eternity. Think about your children's eternity. Can you imagine how fast that time would go? You're not anticipating that time anymore. You're trying to hold it back. When we try to hold things back, it goes by so fast. When you hold these When you hold your children close to your breast and you wonder and you know, I hope I can do that for a long time. But we all know as parents that time flies by. Pretty soon they're too old to hold in our lap. That's life. 
It's anticipation that slows time down. That's why Christians and children and young people seem to think that time crawls because they are anticipating all these future events, privileges, and freedoms. Sadly, many wake up too late to find that they have been sleepwalking, and so many opportunities have been lost to time while asleep. John D. shared his story here of a girl who went to college, and she hated college, but she thought, if I get out of college, I'll get married and have children, and I'll be able to finally enjoy life. So she stuck to her classes and she got through college and she got married and she had children. And man, was that a lot of work. She thought if I could ever get these children raised and I'll be able to relax and enjoy life. But then her husband said, you know, if we want to send these children to college, you and I are both going to have to go to work. We're not going to have enough money if you don't go work. Oh, she hated it, but she went to work. But thought, well, if I ever get these children through college, you know, I'll be able to enjoy life. Finally, the last child graduated from college and the bills were all paid. And she went to her employer and said, I'm quitting. Her boss said, wait, 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 don't quit now. If you work eight more years, you will have a wonderful pension from this company. She said, okay, I won't quit. She hated the job, but she just couldn't resist that extra money that she was going to have when she finally could retire and enjoy life. So the eight eight years finally was up, and when she and her husband both retired at the same time, they sold their house and they bought themselves a little cottage next to a lake, and there they sat on the swing on their front porch and looked at all the family pictures that they had taken in the past, and they looked at the pictures that their, their children sent them, And then they dreamed of the good old days. Those days when they had when they were younger. And a sad realization came that the best years of their life were not here at their retirement at the lake. But all these years before that they had tried to rush through. It's good to think of these things. Life is what happens when you are thinking of something else. Life is what happens when you are thinking of something else. People tend to think they have lots of time to do this or that. One day they will find out they are out of time. Ephesians 5.14, that's back to our text. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Unless we wake up and take control of the time, As God commands us to do, we will not come to the end of our life with the kind of satisfaction and delight that God intends for us to have. Romans 13, 11 through 14. I'll read it. You don't have to go there. And and that, knowing that time, and now it is high time to wake out of the sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when, when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting or drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. 
We have four verses today, and every four, everyone has a point. Verse 14 is saying, it's time to be awake. It says, awake thou that sleepest. Verse 15, time to be careful and alert. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Time to be careful and alert. Verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil, that's telling us it's time to be active with our time. Time to be active. And number 17, wherefore be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Wise wisdom comes with experience. It's time to be astute, sharp, and full of wisdom concerning the time we have. That's what astute means. Sharp and full of wisdom concerning the time that we have. Life is what happens while you're making plans to do something else. It's like spending money. If you budget the money, you can do certain things with it. You can do really important things in life with money. But if you spend it as it comes and pay no attention to any kind of priorities with that money, it will soon be gone and you will have very little to show for it. Time is the same way. Unless you really pay attention to what you are doing with that time and budget it, it will just waste away and you will have very little to show for it. Some people are really concerned on how they spend their money. They count every cent, but when it comes to time, they have very little budget for it. They waste it away in the pursuit of more money, self-pleasure and self-pursuits. Parents with children my age cannot afford this. There are critical ages our children grow through, and if lost and neglected, will have detrimental effects on our children. Effects that will manifest themselves when our children reach adulthood. Effects that are not easily reversed with a lot of anguish, labor, and God's intervention. We have all heard the quote, I have more time than money. Do we realize that time spent wisely is of lot, is of worth more than money? That's a blessing to have more time than money. A lot of people have a lot of money, but they don't have any time. How many of us would trade that? When once we waste that time and reach that end and we'll realize, oh, there were, there were certain priorities that I had hoped I had done, and I wish now I had done, but I didn't get done because I didn't prioritize them. Time was not inexhaustible. It was limited. Verse 16 says, redeem the time, buy it up, capture it, get hold of it, make something out of it. Whether it's money or whether it's time or life, unless we deny self and prioritize the important things of life, we will never get them, get them done. William Law said, you are what you intend to be.
You are what you intend to be. Kind of like what Grandpa always says when somebody says, you will let you long come. And Grandpa says, not us do. We are what we intend to be. We do exactly what we want to do. We make time for exactly what's important to us. It's, it's, it's pretty plain and simple. I want to read a quote from William Law. It was this general intention that made the first Christians such eminent examples of devotion that made a goodly fellowship of the saints and that made all the glorious army of martyrs and confessors. And if you stop here and ask yourself why you are not so devoted as the first Christians, your own heart will tell you that it is neither through ignorance nor ability, but purely because you never thoroughly intended it. Purely because you never thoroughly intended it. You are what you intend to be. And I pray, Lord, give us hearts that intend to be closer to Christ, to do the things that are important, to turn our eyes away from the world and towards Christ. It's all about what you purpose or don't purpose that is going to make the difference. In his coming year, we have 8,760 hours, minus the 192 hours that we already passed in these eight days. Now you can decide how you want to budget these hours. People who are wise with money, they budget so much for this and so much for that and so much for this. We all have 8,760 hours to budget for this year. What do you want to see when you're 88 years old and look back at your life? We all want to see a close-knit family. Close-knit, godly family. We all want to see. There's not, nobody here that doesn't want that. We all want this close-knit, godly family. We all want to see this close-knit, godly church that's made up of close-knit, godly families. That's how you make a godly church. It's made up of godly families, godly people, godly individuals. It just won't happen by itself. The only thing that happens automatically is sin. If you want a close-knit godly family and church, you're going to have to prioritize the things you need to do and budget time to do those things. Do you want an inspiring understanding of Scripture? That just won't happen by itself. You're going to have to make sure that there's time set aside to spend time in Scripture. Any and all significant contributions you can make to the kingdom of God will not happen by themselves. It takes a lot of effort. We all know this. I'm, I'm stating the obvious, but some people really think they can wing it. It'll happen by themselves. It doesn't. It doesn't. I know very few churches a person can get up and preach a whole sermon without spending hours 
with the Lord, with the scriptures, meditating, writing things down, writing points down. It just doesn't happen. You can share a testimony, but it cannot share week after week things pertaining to the church that the church needs to strengthen themselves for good sound preaching. It takes a lot of effort. A lot of people want to leave a legacy for people to be inspired by in the future, either by writing books, writing music, inventing great things, or raising a godly family. Do you want to leave footprints in the sand of time that future generations can look back and see? These things take a tremendous amount of time, discipline, and effort. They don't happen by themselves. Think of this week's Bible school in Fort Pitt. Do you think the brothers that lined it up and spoke just got up and winged it from their hearts? No. I know I talked to Brother Reuben here a few weeks ago, and he said he spent months already preparing, writing down outlines, thinking, meditating, praying. Brother Richard has spent the last few weeks preparing for these few devotions he's going to do. For outlines and messages and all the other brothers that have invested in that time, it takes a lot of effort. The fruits that come out of them are tremendous. We toil and labor our part and God gives the increase. He gave above and beyond what we put in. We can trust that. God gives above and beyond what we put in. If we do it for the right reason. God will bless it. In the same way, Brother David and I invested hours of time toiling and laboring over these messages that are being shared today. They didn't happen by themselves. I would have loved to spend yesterday afternoon in the outdoors. But alas, I was stuck up hours behind my desk. I'm not complaining. Responsibility is laid up for some in the church, and you become better for it. You become better because of these responsibilities. And that is the truth for everyone that has invested in the things of God. He becomes better for it. It's an investment. It's like putting money into the bank. The more time, the more effort, the more You meditate, the more you pray, the more you read scriptures, the more it's an investment into things of eternal life, into eternity. It's time well spent. And we can think of a lot of other things that a person can do that they've invested in. It doesn't give a lot of work at some days. At at one day, it will not give a lot of work back. It's basically worthless. Are you standing up for something that will make an impact for future generations? Think of the Apostle Paul. He would have never, we would have never heard him preach. And we'd not know one word he ever said if he had not written them down. That's really something to think about because Paul wrote it down and now we have an enduring contribution to the kingdom of God. But it took time. In fact, God made sure he had time. So he put Paul in prison. So he had lots of time to write. 
Sometimes it puts us in some kind of prison, so to speak, to get something out from us that we would have otherwise not given. God throughout the ages has had his hand in making sure certain things happen when they did. He prepares a people that are willing to put their hand to the plow and do these hard things. And if not through you, he will find other willing participants that love him enough to do hard things. People that have determination and resolve to follow through and do the hard things. Here's a quote from Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing leave behind us footprints on the sand of time. Christ gives us, gives light to those who wake up, to live life, who set goals for Bible reading, for Bible memorization, for witnessing, for praying, for church attendance, for study, for family time. Maybe you will admit that you're not disciplined enough. I know I'm not. We're often not disciplined enough to do these hard things. But how long will we say that? How many years will you let go by? How many years will you let go by before you seek help and accountability? Isn't there too much at stake to not ask for help if you need help? All of us have been, have been put into situations where we are put under a lot of pressure to get a certain job done in a certain time frame, be it a tangible mechanical, mechanical job, finishing a sewing project, a carpenter project, or teaching or preaching a responsibility. All of us have been there. And every time we have finished these projects successfully in the allotted time, we come away as better men and women. A man that had to use his time productively, wisely, and for very little time has grown with experience. He wasted very little and he did it. Not because it was fun, but it was something we, he had to do and he disciplined himself to do it. It was time well spent. So school, work responsibilities, and putting yourselves under a brotherhood to use these gifts it will serve to better yourself in discipline and force you, so to speak, to put your hand to the plow and to work. For this reason, I think the Hutterite communities have a great advantage in teaching and training their youth from a young age to discipline themselves and their parents to get up in the morning, be it the Isenschul, be it the Klanerschul, be it so, so laying. From a very young age, the young girls wash dishes, memorize scripture, teach good work ethics from a very young age. While not all necessarily a spiritual exercise, provide a good foundation of discipline and responsibilities that they will carry to their maturity. Many of these things we have abandoned and replaced them with, with what? With more sleep, with more time, with tech and social media. It is up to us parents 
to step up to the plate and provide these disciplines for our children by doing first doing these things ourselves and passing this down to our children. It's time to get into these bedrooms. Maybe screw off that, that door, put it aside for a season, and go in and sit down with your youth, ask them what they're doing. What are they watching? What are they listening? Who are they texting with? Who are their friends? I'm serious. We have reached a crisis in our midst with being so separated from our youth that anything is possible. We need to step up to the plate. And I, uh, I also mean as a church, as parents, myself as well. In verse 14, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, don't go sleepwalking through life, and arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Start to apply yourselves, and light will come. Verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly. How many of us are used to that word? Circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Cir- circum means a circle. It's, it's, uh, it's circumventing. It's, it's inclusive. It means everything. Spec means to see or examine, to look around, to be careful, to make a thorough examination of all the circumstances and all the possible consequences. To think deeply, to think broadly, to think specifically about what you're seeing and analyze it carefully, like a bird. Because these little things fly about and constantly look around them. They fly through trees, 20, 30 miles an hour, catching little insects with their little beaks. You try to catch one, and you will see how thoroughly they circumvent their surroundings. How do we live circumspectly in Altona, in our own homes? Do we carefully consider our circumstances and possible consequences in how we live and the freedoms we have allowed ourselves and our children to take? What we have allowed into our homes and where we spend our free time. I am personally very concerned about our direction when we consider where many of our young people are heading and the friends and future they are choosing. These are all consequences that we, the parents, have made in a time or lack of time we spend with them that produce a certain predictable outcomes. I'm going to give you seven points what circumspectly is and means. Walking circumspectly suggests careful consideration of time and action. Walking circumspectly realizes that neglecting our responsibility children will lead to sin down the road. 
Walking circumspectly has emphasis on where individual lifestyle decisions affect the greater church and her family. Walking circumspectly has a heart to lead out by example, lead out their family by example with the fear of God. Walking circumspectly is realizing that we're in danger of losing our sense of identity as a people of God with distinctive beliefs and values. Values we have for too long thrown under the bus and belittling them as old school religion while replacing them with Protestant liberties that appease the flesh. Walking circumspectly is to look at history and see where certain ideas and abandonment of common cultural practices take you. I'll repeat that. It's to look at history and see where certain ideas and abandonment of common cultural practices takes you. That is a mouthful, and maybe there is a message in in each and every one of, of these points. Walking circumspectly is realizing that as a church, propagating certain ideas behind the pulpit and around the table with coffee can and will lead to certain outcomes. These ideas might be good and some might be bad. And it puts a lot of responsibility back on me as a, as a leader and as somebody that is preaching to you. These certain ideas produce certain outcomes. If you're going to look at your own experience in the present, you can go anywhere. But if you get good knowledge of church history, you can chart with some certainty into the future. And church history has a tremendous amount to say about the subject, about the strength of common cultural practices, the lack of them, and what happens with the abandonment of them. In other words, if we're just going to look at here and now as, a, as our experience, where we're at, right here, we could go anywhere. But if we chart our direction and our trajectory with church history, it will be a lot more predictable. And a wise man will do that. He will chart himself off not only the word of God, but he will also look at the history. Things have an uncanny way of repeating themselves. Someone has said it takes a circumspect person to see that, that sees the end in the trend. It takes a circumspect person to see the end in the trend. By contrast, we have someone who says, Fools rush in where angels fear to tread. Fools rush in where angels fear to tread. Verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We cannot take back time. We cannot redeem the time. Once it's gone, it's gone forever. But we can, however, capture that time. This is what I believe this redeem means, is to capture it, to take a hold of it, to be active in taking a hold of it, to get it back as much as we can, to take advantage of it here and now. 
to not wait till tomorrow to make any changes today. Take advantage of it now. The thief on the cross took advantage in his last hour in asking God to save him. In our last years, the Lord can use us mightily if we indeed take and capture that time. I never heard anybody say I spent too much time with my family at the end of their life. I never heard anybody say I got too much education, I read too many books, that I memorized too much scripture, that I wasted my time learning to sing, that I gave too much of my money to help others. I never heard anybody say that I went to church too much. I never heard anybody say that I wasted my time in voluntary service. Brethren, it's not if, it's when our freedoms as believers will be taken away. What will we say we wish we had done before we lost them? As this country is getting more and more godless, we will lose more and more freedoms. We don't know how quickly it will progress to where I think it'll be it'll finally be the day that some people will be saying, I don't have any Bibles. I wish I had memorized more scripture. We don't have any songbooks. I wish I had memorized more songs. It can happen in one generation. And this country is heading that way. Here's another poem. It says, be strong. We are not here to play, to dream, to drift. We have work to do and loads to lift. Shun not the struggle. Face, face it, tis God's gift. Be strong. Say not to the days, say not the days are evil. Who's to blame? And fold the hands in acquiescence, O shame. Stand, stand up, speak out, and bravely in God's name. Be strong. It matters not how deeply entrenched the wrong. How hard the battle goes, today, how long, faint not, fight on, tomorrow comes the song. Amen. We are to be salt and light. We are to put, we're put here to be an influence. Last verse, verse 17. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Time to be astute, sharp and full of wisdom concerning the time that we have. Romans 12, 2, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by a renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We are to prove ourselves and others what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. We need to live life so it's as good in retrospect as it was in prospect. The world is quite exactly the opposite. With the world, they have this prospect, oh, it's going to be great. And they look back and it's broken. It's a broken mess in retrospect. For the Christians, he lives so that the ret retrospect is even better than the prospect because the prospect looks a little bit difficult and often challenging, but oh, the rewards of the retrospect. Keep Christ in the center. Be a fruit-bearing Christian. Don't just be a productive Christian. A productive Christian is just concerned about getting things done. A fruit-bearing Christian is what you are becoming. 
To be astute is to keep your focus on Jesus and make it a purpose in life to do the things that really count. An astute person evaluates his time, evaluates his effort and ambitions to see where he or she is heading, to see the trajectory of where your children are heading. We're getting close to the end. The hymn writer Frances Ridley Havergal took New York's day very serious, and she always spent the time reflecting, and every year she would compose a poem and send it to all her friends about what she thought in terms of the new year. The one that she wrote in 1874 has become immortal. She was 36 years old at the time, and she dashed this poem off in short order and had it printed on special design greeting paper and sent it off to all her friends having no idea that it would someday become a classic. She captioned it, A Happy New Year, ever such may it be. And I'll read it to you. I think it's a song also. Another year is dawning. Dear Father, let it be, in working and in waiting, another year with Thee, another year of progress, another year of praise, another year of providing Thy presence all all the days. Another year of mercies, of faithfulness and grace. Another year of gladness in shining of thy face. Another year of leaning upon thy loving breast. Another year of trusting, of quiet, happy rest. Another year of service, of witness for thy love. Another year of training for holier work above. Another year of dawning, dear Father, let it be on earth or else in heaven. Another year for thee. Amen. The time is now. The time is now. Act in the living present. Tomorrow will be too late. In closing, I want to read one more poem by Thomas Carlyle. Today, so here, so here had been dawning another blue day. Think wilt thou let it slip useless away. Out of eternity this new day is born. Into eternity at night will return. Behold it aforetime, no eye ever did. So soon it forever from all eyes is hid. Here had been dawning another blue day. Think wilt thou let it slip useless away. Amen. So we have a time, verse 14, time to be awake. Verse 15, time to be careful and alert. Verse 16, time to be active. And verse 17, time to be astute. All these we covered. Um, There were some stronger words shared. I mean this in love. We're in this thing together. We're going to have to climb out of a lot of these things, these struggles, with prayer, with perseverance, and maybe with a lot of lost sleep as we see Christ, the new year. And it will serve to bring us together if we indeed see Christ together in all this. Amen. Lord bless you.